You're listening to the Type 7 Podcast, hosted by Jessica LaTorre, a show for a Type 7 by a Type 7. The podcast is brought to you by EnneagramPodcasts.com, where you can listen to all our shows featuring all nine Enneagram types. Let's get into the show. All right, people, welcome back. This is Jesse LaTorre here, hosting the Enneagram Type 7 podcast. Thanks for joining me today. If you haven't joined before, and this is your first episode here on episode 3, um, it's going to be a little different than our typical thing. So go back, listen to the other two if you're into something a little more chipper. But today we're diving into something kind of serious. We're talking about the secret sadness of a 7. Um, this is something that... If you're listening and you saw the title and you're a type 7, kudos to you because the reality of it is is that we 7s try to avoid pain. That is like one of our big, big things is trying to avoid pain at all costs. So if you're listening, kudos because you are on a journey wanting to grow. Maybe you're going through something, wanting to not feel like you're crazy or alone. You're in the right place. Or if you're listening to this and you're not a type 7, maybe you live with a 7, you are married to a 7, you're friends with a 7, you're having problems with a 7, whatever, glad you're here. A little overview of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about some basic parts of what an Enneagram 7 is made up of, like the basic fear, what of the three triads it fits into. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry. So we'll be discussing the three centers of intelligence and the triads there. Um, We are going to talk about some of the poster children celebrity type sevens. And we're going to talk about some of the downsides of being a seven, the negatives. And I don't like to just pose a a problem without a solution. So we're going to talk about some ways to deal with the negative attributes of the seven. So glad you're here. Let's get started. All right, first things first. We're going to talk about the three centers of intelligence. Now, if you haven't heard of that, it basically is three groups that the nine Enneagram personalities are broken into. There are the head group, the heart group, and the body or gut group. Now, Let me start with the heart group. The heart group is numbers twos, threes, and fours. If you're a two, a three, or a four, you are in the heart group. Okay, they have the relational intelligence in the world. They're our heart center. They're what brings the world empathy and understanding and compassion and kindness and all the feels, right? All the range of emotions. However, they also um, can be called the shame group because is being driven or filtering the world through the heart and feels. Um, They also deal with a lot of negative emotions such as shame. So numbers two, three, and four, the heart group or the shame group. The next group of the three, the second group, is the head group. That's where we're going to be focusing today um, because those are numbers five, six, and seven. And being the type seven Enneagram podcast, we are going to be talking a lot about this head group, meaning we filter the world through mental faculties. We're also called the thinking group. Okay, so there's a lot of practicality that goes into this group. Um, 
And then the third group we have is the body group or the gut group, also known sometimes as the anger group. Those are numbers 8, 9, and 1. They can be very headstrong or um, stubborn, maybe. Uh, and they filter the world through like kinesthetic intelligence, okay? So physical sensations or gut instincts. They have a lot of pride, rage, anger, um, mostly because their basic need for self-worth is threatened and that brings about some of those very aggressive behaviors or actions. So those are the three groups or the three centers of intelligence. And why is that important? It's important to know if you, whatever your number is, it's important to know kind of Oh, which group do I fall into? How am I filtering the world? Am I led by my heart? Am I led by my head? Or am I led by like my my gut or body or what I'm you know physically feeling in the world? Um, so it's it's just really important to know um, for a basis of seeing how you carry out decisions, why you treat people the way you do, why you interact the way you do, and kind of to know also when you're dealing with someone else how they're filtering through the world. Because sometimes I feel like it can be in a conversation with someone and I'm like, I just do not understand how we are seeing these things so differently. And really it's that we are going through life and through situations and we have a completely different lens or filter as we are going through an experience. So that's the first thing, those harmony triads. I wanted to bring that up because for a type seven, the basic fear is being deprived or trapped in pain, okay? Um, and being someone who thinks a lot, sometimes we can fear being trapped even in our thoughts. So our coping mechanism um, can be to stay busy, right? We distract ourselves with this project and that project and going here and going there and this errand and that errand and this adventure, that adventure. You can kind of fill in the blank there. But it's really important because we can suppress a lot of feelings by doing that. Typically, a type 7 is known for being the people in the world who energize everyone around them, right? They, they're glad to be alive. They make other people happier to be alive. Um, they're known to do things kind of off the cuff, spontaneous, in the moment, all of that. Um, but that quick-mindedness can do something very interesting. It can um, lead us to have a distorted idea of processing pain or hurt or trauma and what that what I mean by that is we can mistaken a surface encounter with pain with going deep or having gone there meaning if if we've experienced a trauma or a loss or a deep hurt from someone we can have a conversation and feel like okay though that's dealt with let's move on because we want to you know our 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 coping me- mechanism is like okay let's move on on to the next thing but really a lot of times we haven't sat in the pain, we haven't felt the hurt, we haven't really, really gone there in our emotions um, to heal. And so what we do is we have this, we scratch the surface of this pain and then we suppress it and push it down and there it lives to 
you know, be enraged at some point or brought back up at some point. So, um, you know, this is really important to realize that we are actually wired to do a lot of thinking because sometimes I've noticed with my husband, he can ask me a question. He can be like, babe, what do you think about that? And, you know, he can have just shared this whole story and all of his thoughts. Like I've mentioned before, he's a type four, so he can verbally process everything he's thinking and going through and on on a certain particular subject. And then he's like, so what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I agree. And he is like, what are you talking about? Like process with me. Tell me all the things you're thinking or all the, and, um, I do a lot of my thinking inside, like a lot of my thinking is silent. And this is a really big misconception with type sevens. Type sevens are in this thinking group. And oftentimes people think that type sevens don't stop long enough to really think deep. And that's not true. Actually, type sevens are like non-stop thinking all the time. And it's just that it doesn't um, translate well verbally. And it doesn't, it's not something that they usually process out loud or talk about a lot out loud. They're the type people who they just want to get stuff done. They don't really want to talk about it. They just want to go, go. And um, so the misunderstanding is that sevens are aloof or maybe um, can come across ditzy or not deep. And it's simply not the case. Type sevens are actually sometimes some of the most brilliant, some of the most um, even deep or um, wise people but you really have to, as a seven, you have to really embrace that and let it come to the surface. I know for me, when I was in high school, I did really, really well in school. Like I was overcommitted in every way. I did sports. I did cheerleading. I did music and musicals and uh, all the clubs and youth group and everything you can imagine. I was very, very social. So it was really super surprising when... I got called in by my counselor three days before I graduated high school because she was shocked to death and could not believe that I was graduating third in my class. Like she never saw it coming. She was like, I can't even believe I'm going to tell you this, but you're graduating third in your class. You did really well, you know, and I of course was bummed because as a type seven, you know, and I have this, um, this achiever in me or this competitive nature and spirit in me. I'm like, shoot, if you would have told me I was number three, I would have been one or two so I could give a speech, you know? Um, but what was interesting to me about this is that it was the first time in my life I realized that not only was I misunderstood, but I was actually underestimated because of my lightheartedness, my quick mindedness, and really just my, taking on life laid back approach, um, and not being super serious that they didn't think I was serious about my studies, which I didn't have to study a lot. Um, I did just do well naturally, which was awesome, but I also worked really hard. I mean, I, I got my associate's degree while I was in high school. So, um, I did two years of college while I was in high school. I was, I definitely was an overachiever. I just wasn't verbal about it. And so, I wanted to talk about this because not only is this something that you may experience as a seven, but also this is something that other people may 
need to know about you. So if you're listening and you're not a seven, look out for sevens. I mean, don't just think that because they're not talking to you about everything they're doing or everything they're feeling that they're not thinking because there is a lot going on on under the surface. It's kind of like um, a frozen lake, but there's rushing waters under there. It is nonstop their brains. Um, So I wanted to talk about that because I think it's really important when it comes to what I said before about really needing to deal with pain. Some of the poster children sevens that are in common culture or more recent times would be um, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, who I really want to talk about today. I really want to focus on him. Um, Some other people are in politics, Sarah Palin, lots of presidents, uh, Mozart. There's lots of other great examples here, Katy Perry, but I, I kind of want to focus on those lo- those first few that I said, um, Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Jim Carrey, Robin Williams, and Katy Perry, those more recent ones, because I'm sure when you hear those names, you get both positive and negative reactions or feelings associated with their names, because they're people who entertain, who bring a lot of joy to the world, whether it be through comedy and films or um, like lighthearted music and that sort of thing. But they're also people who have like nervous breakdowns, uh, you know, shave their heads, shout out to Brittany. She had a rough time, you know, she dealing with life. Miley had a go at, you know, needing to go through rehab, uh, Jim Carrey has had, you know, people love him, but also think he might be crazy. Um, And then Robin Williams, someone who had such an incredible, incredible reputation, known and loved by so many. Um, You might have a negative connotation there because of the way that he ended his life unexpectedly with a surprising cause of death by suicide. And that's really, I want to focus on him because... He's someone I think we should study here and and look at for the lives of seven and the way that they take in the world, experience the world, interact with the world, process the world, and kind of what we can do to avoid that um, breakdown uh, or, or bubbling over of emotions and thoughts that aren't dealt with. So... With Robin, he was known as the improv king. I mean, one really cool thing about him, he was always described as like an egalitarian. And and if you don't know what that means, it was a newer word to me within the last couple of years too, but it basically means that he treated people equal. He didn't give special treatment to celebrities on set um, rather than the crew or the workers on set, but he really treated like, you know, someone who was a stand-in or an extra. Like he treated them like they were gold like they were the same as you know the quote unquote celebrity royalty on set like himself and i think that's really a special thing about him he was super genuine and he was just so so loved by people because of his heart because he was just a really great guy and then you know clearly he had some pain he had some things that he was dealing with that it's just so sad to me and so unfortunate to me that 
we don't know what sadness it was that he was dealing with that he felt like he couldn't escape. Like I mentioned with the basic fear is that being trapped in pain is literally the worst thing that a seven could ever experience. And there has to be a way to combat that, you know, because some of the positive things that people look at in a seven, which would be, you know, if you're spontaneous, right? People love, like, if you want to go on an adventure, you go with a seven because they're so spontaneous and they're down, you know, with whatever. And, but spontaneity, when it is used in excess or when it is abused, if you will, um, can turn into, impulsiveness. Okay. So those are synonyms, right? Spontaneity and impulsiveness, but one has a positive connotation and one has a negative. And I think because sevens are naturally drawn to things in excess, meaning they're, they don't want to just have one experience. They want to have all the experiences, um, that the excessiveness mixed with spontaneity, that turns into impulsiveness, you know, those things combined with when there's pain added into the situation and they want to escape, um, you've got impulsiveness and excessiveness and escapism. That is a combination for disaster. That is a combination that looks like overdose, that looks like, um, you know, suicide. And, and that seems so surprising to the lightheartedness of a seven. You know, it sounds terrible to say, but almost like someone who's more emotionally in touch or in, engaged or verbal about their emotions, like a four, you know, they seem so emo or melancholy all the time or downtrodden that someone like that, you would almost more expect for them to be prone to suicide. But the reality is that. Um, they're, they're processing their pain. They're working through their pain. And a seven who is not is actually more prone to something like suicide. And this is a big deal. I know that suicide is so heavy and hard to talk about, especially if you're a seven, but suicide's a big deal in culture today. It is in young people. It's the number one leading cause of death in young people, not car accidents for teenagers and college students and all of that, but actually suicide, taking their own lives. That's the number one way that young people are dying. And it breaks my heart to see, um, not, not just, it's not just people who are socially awkward or deprived. It's not just people who are, um, lacking love and friendship and those type things. It can also be celebrities. It can also be people with lots of success and wealth who are taking their own lives because they're, they're fighting this uphill battle with pain and they don't know how to deal. And I think it's something that we need to remove the stigma about with mental health issues, with depression, with anxiety. Depression and anxiety are so prevalent for type 7s. And what's crazy is that pain, the pain and anxiety of a seven oftentimes goes not just unseen from other people, but the biggest problem, and hear me, the biggest problem is that the pain and anxiety and depression oftentimes goes unseen even by the type seven themselves. 
Okay, so it's not just that other people can't see their pain, but sometimes because of their quick-mindedness, their busyness, all of those things, they're actually out of touch with their own pain that is there. And so I think the important thing to acknowledge here is that there has to be self-awareness, okay? We have to work towards self-awareness because... In today's day and age, we can live off of a false sense of reality through social media and other things that we're creating, and we can lose touch with the reality of who we are, what we're experiencing, what we're going through, and that lack of self-awareness is what really leads to the bubbling up, the volcano that explodes and causes disaster in people's lives. So I actually experienced this firsthand eight years ago when I was first married. My husband and I, we had been married for a couple of months and we went into a season of kind of chaos where he was traveling with Christian music, playing drums, and we had some other travels combined with some shows, which meant we had like a family reunion cruise. We had travels to California to interview for a ministry job position, a few other things. And combined, we were going to be gone a couple of weeks. And mixed in with all of this, we ended up getting a call that his dad was having open heart surgery from heart attack and just added to our travels. My grandmother was sick because she um, had been a cancer survivor and was outliving her sentence, if you will. Um, from her diagnosis and she had gotten sick with pneumonia and it wasn't looking good and we just had a lot going on we're bouncing from place to place to place to place you know California Alabama the Caribbean on a cruise um, different places in the United States for his shows and I remember after we'd been traveling almost a month we had a show of his and when it finished my husband was like okay we're going to stay in tonight, we're going to get room service, and we're just going to relax. It's been almost a month we've been gone from home, and it's just been crazy, and we're going to chill. And I was like, no, we're not. I want to go shopping. I want to do this. I want to go see my friends and my family. We were in Orlando, Florida at the time. And I was like, no way. And he was like, put his foot down. He was like, no, this is what we're going to do, and you know, I, you need to just suck it up. So begrudgingly and kicking and screaming, if you will, I stayed in that night and really let myself breathe and feel and process for the first time in almost a month all the things that were going on. Um, I was super close with my grandmother. She was, gosh, like one of the closest things to my heart. And um, I had a conversation with my dad where he was like, yeah, she's still sick. She's still in the hospital. It's not looking good. We think this is going to be it for her. Um, you know, and processing that we went to this job interview that looked like it was the best thing ever. And we felt the Lord tell us in our heart, this wasn't the right thing for us. And so I was being told no there. And, um, my job and my husband's job because of all of the craziness, um, he was working for a nonprofit. I was working for a wedding planning company. Both of those things had kind of said that our time was wrapping up. His contract was up, and mine said that basically if I did all this traveling, that they were going to have to hire someone to replace me. So here we were. Um, it was about Thanksgiving time, and we had left 
in early October and we were out of jobs. We, our situation didn't look good. We had his dad sick. We were scared about that. And then my grandmother was going to be passing soon and I knew it. And all of this to say that the volcano in me that I had been staying busy to avoid and not deal with volcanoed. And I was so overwhelmed with my emotions that I was in a puddle on the floor in this hotel bathroom. It was crazy. I mean, I don't recommend it because germs and hotel bathrooms and blah, 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 whatever. But I literally was so overcome with emotions that I, I was a mess, a, a complete and total mess. And I share this with you to say that, you know, our busyness can mask or keep at bay the anxiety, the depression, the emotions that are lying under the surface for us Enneagram 7s. And when we are slowed down or bored, those emotions are revealed. So think of it in this way. And I actually think, bringing it back to Robin Williams, he had this quote about Pandora's box. And I want to use that analogy because often we feel like if we, you know, crack the key or scratch the surface with this Pandora's box that what we open and what we find will be too overwhelmed with what's there and fall too deep into the depths of what could be lying there. And we don't even want to deal with it. We don't even want to open that key. Um, because, what's inside the box may be more than we can handle or bear. And so, you know, I don't want to see myself or any of us get into that position because then what happens with coping mechanisms from there can be um, addictions and can be, you know, substance abuse, can be all kinds of things to kind of then pull ourselves out or to have a temporary high because we're too deep in the lows of lows. And, um, you know, I want to just encourage you if you're feeling that way right now, that heart work is hard work, the hardest work to sit and feel and embrace what's going on around you. It's really painful and it's unnatural for a type seven. What are some things we can do to deal with this? Well, we thrive off of having people around us. And I think finding your safe people. And I don't mean a tribe of people who you call on. And it doesn't have to be 20 people. I mean, it could be two. It could be one. It can be just a few, you know, um, close people to you that check in on you, that know how you're wired and can say, hey, I don't want to see you not deal with things and then it overtake you. So let's let's check in, you know, every now and then. I was recently in Birmingham, Alabama at Church of the Highlands and Pastor Chris Hodges did such a beautiful job speaking on depression. And one of the things that he shared in his very vulnerable um, talk was about how for himself he can speak to 50,000 people in a weekend and then the number one time he needs his wife to check in on him for depression or anxiety or any of those attacks like that is 
Sunday night after he's spoken to everyone because oftentimes our lowest lows come after our highest highs. And I really encourage you, if you're looking for more resources, that that's a great one. Look at Church of the Highlands website and, you know, look up that podcast on depression because it was so enlightening and so useful. And I encourage you to share this with other people because we really need to remove the stigma surrounding mental illness, depression, anxiety, because the reality of it is, is that just because we're talk- not talking about it doesn't mean it's not present. And I don't know anyone who hasn't dealt with it. As far as I'm concerned, I consider myself to be a very stable, emotional like emotionally stable person. And even I deal with high highs and low lows and it's a part of being human. It doesn't mean you're crazy or that you're broken or unlovable or any of those things because you're dealing with depression, anxiety, um, or any range of emotions. It simply means you're human and that it's a wave that we're all riding and figuring out as we go. And so Find someone to talk to. For him, it was his wife. He asked his wife, hey, check on me Sunday nights after my high highs. Check on me to make sure I'm not falling into the low lows. You know, maybe it's after a a big thing you've been working towards. Maybe you've been working towards running a marathon or um, graduating from something. And for me, I, I often find myself so depressed the day after Christmas or so depressed the first day of the year. It's like when there's something I'm building up to, then it's like disappointing or there's a letdown and the busyness has worn off and all of a sudden I realize, oh gosh, I'm sad. I'm sad about, you know, maybe where my life is or what I haven't achieved yet or um, who wasn't here or whatever, whatever I'm reflecting on. So that's my first point is find people who care enough about you to not only know how you're wired, but then to check in on you when you don't think you need to be checked on. Because remembering here that the pain could be even hidden from you. So if you are not in a state to reach out to others, have people check on you. Okay. That's my, my first thing here. Um, dive into other avenues of self-awareness. Maybe that's learning about your personality through other personality tests, through who you are biblically in Christ, how you were created, whatever it is, gain self-awareness. Okay. Join a small group, join, um, up with people to talk. It's so important. If you've made it to this point in the podcast, you are on a journey of self-awareness. You are making steps in the right direction towards growth. So that's incredible. And and this is a part of learning about who you are, how you're wired, and how you can grow to be better and not just have to stay that way. And last but not least, I think that we really need to talk about therapy. Okay, I know that most of us come from backgrounds where our parents or the generations before us thought of therapy as this terrible thing that you you only need if you're broken. And it was, you know, a last resort type thing. But I don't think that's the truth, honestly. And, you know, we have a lot of people really wanting to focus on their physical health right now, their outward appearance, but not 
on their mental health and what's going on on the inside. And it really irks me that insurance doesn't all cover therapy of different kinds. And this is something, a way that I really hope that America will grow in the future where mental health is just as important as physical health and where therapy will be covered on insurance. But that's another tangent for another day. But here I want to say, even if it's not covered on your insurance and you're like, I can't afford it, Um, I'd be too embarrassed to go, no, 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 no. Get over that. There is nothing to be embarrassed about when it comes to making yourself better, when it comes to having someone else outside of your perspective help you learn to process out loud, to hear your thoughts out loud. If you don't have a safe place or people you really trust for advice or if that's just not working, I really encourage you to to try out therapy, to talk to someone else. And like I said, if if that's not covered on your insurance, then there are free resources. Look into it. Ask around. Um... And if you're a Christian, there's a lot of times churches provide, you know, maybe licensed clinical counselors or they can also just offer Christian counseling. And that is better than nothing. You know, it's not, doesn't always have to be someone with a degree, you know, and, and don't take this as professional advice. This is personal advice that find someone who you feel safe talking to because it's better for you to talk to someone than no one. Um, and so I just wanted to point out a few of these things that I just really think that we're better together in community, that we need to love each other better. And one of the ways that we start to do that is by knowing ourselves, knowing each other better, and then we can love each other well because of it. So I'm going to leave off here. It has been long enough. I'm so thankful that you guys joined me today, that we had this talk, this conversation. Let's not let it end here. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you're a seven and this is something you deal with, I'd love to hear how and and what things you've done in the past to cope with it. If you have any questions, you want me to go further into certain details of this, I'd love to do that. That's what I'm here for. We are talking about what it is to be a seven and how not just to be this way, but to be better. And um, I love it. I love it. I'm so thankful for this crazy thing called the internet and podcast and social media and all of it. As much as it can be a terrible thing, this is one of the ways that it's good. And thanks for being my friend and for chatting with me. And let's keep the conversation going through email, comments, all the things. Until next week, I hope you have the best week ever. See ya. Thanks for listening. Feel free to send questions or ideas or feedback to type 7 at enneagrampodcasts.com. And make sure to subscribe to the show. And if you would like to support this collective, head over to enneagrampodcasts.com and find out different ways to support the shows.